Hello, everyone. Uh, today, I have an amazing guest, Stefani Marco, who is a certified Tantra and Yoga, Kundalini Yoga teacher. And I had um, the pleasure to be on your retreat here in Costa Rica. And it was an amazing experience. And I can't wait uh, to talk to you more about um, Tantra and Kundalini and uh, sacred sexuality. Uh, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's so wonderful having you in the retreat. It was a beautiful weekend. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, like, what made you fascinate about uh, the topic of uh, Tantra and sexuality? How was your journey to start discovering those um, teachings and then deciding that you want to stay on this journey for so many years? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, I think it was a combination of things when I first started practicing Kundalini, um, I didn't realize that it was sort of the gateway to what I'm doing now and to all of this sexual energy work. Um, Kundalini is really a purification process and it's also called white tantra. And so that process for me helped me do a lot of emotional regulation work and nervous system regulation work um, because of its concentration on the vagus nerve and the breath work. So I was finding myself healing a lot of emotional things and clearing a lot of space in my body. And by chance, um, I happened to get with a partner at that time who had a lot of sexual blocks that I wasn't aware of prior to mm. he and I being together. And throughout that process, um, he shared with me that, you know, our connection was very unique and that he had had a lot of impotency problems and other issues with sexuality that weren't present in our relationship and that he felt that it was very much coming from me. And so I started looking more into what was happening in my body with all of these bandas and locks and kegels I was doing and, you know, holding my, my pelvic floor and all the strengthening I was doing in this area and just my overall energy and my frequency um, was very alive and, and manifesting a lot of things. And so all of these practices were calling in a lot of sexual energy and life force energy through me that I wasn't aware of. And then that really set me on my path to start exploring more of what this was unlocking. And I got into Taoist Tantra and then eventually classical Tantra. Mm, amazing. And um, so what Tantra really is for people who maybe just heard the, you know, the word, the teachings, um, that there are practices of Tantra, but what, what does it mean, you know, like in, yeah, in our daily life as well, like how we can implement that? Um, well, you know, Tantra is a metaphysical science. It's a yogic practice. It's a lifestyle. And it's really a cultivation of our one with oneness with nature. And all things that are created in nature have the polarity of masculine and feminine. And so when we understand how manifestation works through this life force energy of the polarity of masculine and feminine, of our erotic intelligence guiding us um, as a natural part of ourselves and not a shameful part of ourselves. Um, Tantra is really the weaving together of all of these beautiful aspects of our true nature um, so that we can 
experience expansion. And so sexuality is a part of that um, because it's a part of our lives, um, but it's a small part of it, um, but it's a very powerful part of our lives, right? So it's, it's so rooted in our survival and in what unconsciously drives a lot of our impulses and our desires. So when we can harness the purity and the innocence and our oneness with our sexual and erotic intelligence and um, understand our own polarity of our masculine and feminine energies and those of others, we can really become very conscious creators and expand into uh, a spiritual experience in this life where we feel very connected to our work and to each other and to the planet. Mm, yeah, for me, it's like I heard about Tantra, of course, for like so many years, but I always had this like resistance somehow, like for the for the teachings. And I know that this was because I um, had like this programming and the beliefs that actually wasn't serving me. And um, like one of the most like powerful experience, it was your retreat when I actually uh, look at Tantra as a really beautiful practice to create um, intimate relationships with yourself, with other people, and um, and also like looking at the sexual energy that I was like exploring for some time. That it's not only about sex, and that's what we what we think it is. So like sexual energy, just this source of um, creation, manifestation. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Also for like people that might be you know really um, beginning their journey in in those topics. Yes, well, you know, sexual energy is really, um, you know, what anything that turns us on. And I like to also call this like our erotic intelligence. It starts with our erotic intelligence, right? It starts with being able to have access to that. And so many of us are cut off from or numb to this intelligence inside of us or have a distorted view of it because of our shame, because of our conditionings, because of our pain, because of pornography, all of the ways that we objectify the body and deny the body's intelligence. So using this creative life force, needs it need, we first need to have access to it and to understand it, to cultivate the energy and practices like yoga and um, practices like pranayama, practices like qigong, these things really cultivate energy in our bodies. And when we can start tapping into that energy, we align with this frequency of creation because we're, we're literally becoming magnetized to it and on a, a very high level, um, our frequency changes and we can't not attract more feeling good. We can't, we can't not attract more of this attraction. People talk about the law of attraction, um, but it's, it's so much more than just um, thinking positive thoughts. It's em embodying um, a body that is free of these blocks. And it is also um, about this idea of polarity where we understand the sexual energy and the coming together of the masculine and feminine that merges all, all creation. So this, this plus and minus, this yin and yang, really understanding how it works and giving ourselves the nurturing and the support of that so that we can then call in um, with really laser focus, this frequency of manifestation. And mm. as you know, we did a very, you know, kind of powerful exercise at the end of the course around that. I'm curious how that felt for you. 
Yeah, and which one? Because there was like a lot of powerful. <laughs> the the, yeah, the last one. The last yeah. one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So very last one. It was for me, it was um, also, I felt like rewriting a story about sexuality, about sexual energy. So it was like one thing when I really... Um, like until this point, I feel like I was releasing, you know, all of the energies like from my parents and the, the the programming. And this was the time when like the space that you've created and we had with the the whole group, I just felt like it's just my I'm writing my own story. And this was uh, this was really beautiful and, and powerful. And um, and this was amazing how like using the sexual energy, this is also like the practice that, uh, that, that I have, but just like being with myself as um, looking at my body and the energy that I can create uh, with those practices and self-pleasure as a power of connecting to the power of manifestations and having this intention and this focus, what I want to invite and attract into my life and doing this with, uh, with other people and like the group and yeah, it was, it was really powerful. And yeah, for me, what, what I had, uh, like the reflection I had was just re rewriting um, the story that I had about this energy. So it was, yeah, it was really powerful. Yeah. And, and what I love about those practices is that they are focused, um, maybe not focused, but uh, we are working a lot with our body, our body intelligence. And for me, uh, when I started my spiritual journey a few years ago, I would say that I, um, I couldn't fully like integrate what does it mean that we are just spiritual beings having a temporarily human experience and how does it combine with me being in this body and uh, then looking at my body as a temple, as a portal uh, for the divine. And at some point I realized that my nervous system and how my body was reacting and the numbness that I was feeling, shame, I was like, it's not something that I can say that it, it doesn't exist. I know what does it mean in like a spiritual um, teachings, but at the same time, really working with my body, diving deep into the energies, the emotions, and all of the informations that are here with the trauma, with the, like the previous um, situations that has happened. It's so, so, so powerful. Um, so how... Do you, like working with people, uh, can we talk a little bit more about trauma, especially like around uh, maybe sexuality as well? Because uh, for me, the question that came after I connected with the root of my sexual trauma, the question was like, so who, I, who am I without this energy? Because I, I saw... Um, I noticed how much this energy was influencing my personality or who I thought I was. Um, so what is your experience about that? What's your specific question? I'm sorry. Um, just Yeah, so like, so how we can, so maybe the first question, because this is like a, like a big topic. Um, how, what, what kind, how our body can talk to us. So this can be like the first information that there might be like a trauma that we need to connect. So how the trauma is influencing the response in our body. Sure. I mean, trauma can show up in the body in, in so many ways. Um, one of the most common ways that I see is numbness, actually. So actually the inability to feel. So, um, you know, a, 
the way that we really get the body to start to speak to us is by creating safety, uh, being gentle with the body. Um, and this is why I, I love the practice of Tantra yoga. It's, you know, a, a basis of Hatha yoga. Uh, I also love Kundalini for this because what we're doing is we're gently opening and exploring the body with patience and with love and with care and without competition or force. Um, dance is also a beautiful way of doing this. Um, and so when we start to gently unlock these spaces, we start to really be able to trust. The body actually starts to trust and say, I'm safe here now, I am seen. And what then begins to happen is we can start to ask certain questions of the body. We can start to ask certain questions of the subconscious, um, which I do through neuro-linguistic programming and, and the types of meditations where we can go in and ask these questions and the subconscious starts to trust and the body starts to trust and starts to tell us these answers. Mm. And then we start to remember that pain in our shoulder from that fight we had with our mother and she was trying to take something out of our hands and we pulled back or whatever it is, right? And we start to remember these, these places where we have injuries and we may very well have physical injuries, but what happens is all of our emotional injuries go to those more weakened parts of our bodies to hide and to avoid and to shut down. And, it, and our body takes it on because our bodies love us so much. Our bodies love us so much. They don't want us to have to deal with all of this stuff happening in our, in our mentality. So to keep us functioning and getting up every day, our body says, I'll just take that away from you. I'll just take that. Mm. And then one day we wake up with a lot of pain or mm. with a lot of numbness, or we can't connect to our partner. We don't know why, or we feel our hearts are closed or we're just completely stiff and have all of this neck problems or something. And so um, it's really about creating trust with the body and then we can hear what's happening and then we can really consciously give it love and, and release it. Um, so, you know, in the three day process that we had, we did that quite quickly. You know, we, we kind yes. of identified it, we, we got to it. And so that was like a, a nice overview and an intro to how this work can really support you throughout your life and through many different ebbs and flows uh, of the human experience that we have this toolkit of listening to ourselves. Yes, and just having this um, awareness that it's everything is connected, like our bodies, not just like separate for, for from what has happened in the past, but it's all of that, it's just one big information and uh it's it's so beautiful and when you were saying about the numbness um the other exercise like actually the the ritual of uh chot yeah uh that we had which was really really um powerful and um so in this exercise i've noticed that immediately my body went into something that was safe for me that i i don't want to feel if someone will tell me something that will be difficult for me and I was just sitting with my body and actually like the the, um, the feedback that I've received um, 
it was something that I already knew, but I was like, why do I, why my body's, you know, like in this freeze mode. And then I sit, sit with myself and I was like, okay, I know that this was something that I was doing always when I was criticized by um, like in school or by my parents. And I like, you know, I was working with this like for so many years, but yeah, like my body is just telling me that there's like another layer and, uh, and I want to accept that. So um, what is the process also for people who, feel disconnected to their uh maybe the wisdom of their heart their emotions like how can they really start connecting with what what is there inside of them mm. there's so many beautiful ways you know if people can't get to one of my retreats or to somebody else's retreat there's so much information online now about this and um and uh and i certainly have a lot of videos up on the world geographic channel and I can give you the links to some of my videos but I think on a very um in a very kind of fundamental way first identifying that you're hurt you know a lot of us don't want to admit that we're hurting and that there's pain there and really the first step for healing is to not pretend that there's nothing wrong and nothing wrong doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you it's that you're you're out of alignment in some way and you're hurting and that this is painful mm -hmm. and that you're willing to experience the pain and to look at this pain and that you're also willing to look at it from a place of love because you know i speak a lot about um the way of learning and the fundamental of learning really doesn't come from wanting to take something on or to explore something because you're broken or because you don't like yourself or you need to fix yourself to be better. This is a very violent, very um, patriarchal way of putting us in line and, and you don't love yourself by hating yourself. You don't foster mm. more self-love, more self-care, more healing by abusing yourself and telling yourself things like that you're, you have to be better and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be better and there's nothing wrong with like improvement and things like this. But sometimes we have to really look at the narratives that we're saying and the tone and the way that we're being with ourselves. So that's the second thing. You know, the first thing is feeling that you're hurting, admitting and being able to say I'm hurting. The second thing is, is saying, uh, you know, uh, I'm ready to look at what else is inside of me. I want to get more close to the depth of the truth of my gifts, the truth of what else I have to offer the world, what more there is to me that I can discover and be inspired by in myself instead of, I want to be better. Mm. Um, and then the third thing is to really do some of these explorative practices. Um, I highly recommend if you're feeling very physically hurt, working with the breath, because the breath is a great first step. And you don't, you can do this in a hospital bed, you know, if, if you're that injured or feeling that weak. And so really doing an active clearing with pranayama, uh, which is left and right nostril breathing, 
Um, I have a video, a free video, if anyone wants to look at it on my Mighty Network and my Mighty Network, uh, it's mightynetwork.co and then you just look up A Love Revolution and that's uh, my Mighty Network channel and it's a free subscription and we do lots of free courses actually. Um, next week we have a men's course uh, with Nathan Kohlerman, who's a wonderful men's coach. Um, but we do lots of free workshops there and I have free videos. So pranayama would be a really wonderful start. And then if, if you can do more physical practices, I highly recommend some sort of yoga and a yoga that isn't power yoga. Like mm -hmm. I want a yoga, butt yoga, <laughs> yoga that is maybe a little bit more deeper, like a Kundalini practice or a Hatha practice. Um, depending on what you feel your body is ready for and really resonating with a teacher that approaches yoga as a, as a healing modality and as a meditative practice for really um, clearing the fluctuations of the mind, really needing to change the way that we think because a lot of what our body processes comes from the thoughts that we tell it. So getting into a program of telling ourselves much nicer things and being in a practice that helps us to breathe and to observe our thoughts as opposed to becoming our thoughts and to really look at our thoughts and say, you know, I am not these thoughts. I can observe what they're saying and say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And understand that like my ego is trying to protect me. My survival instincts are trying to protect me, but I'm safe and thank you loyal soldier of my ego for standing up for me, but we're going to have a different way of looking at this now. And I'm in control of what I think. I'm in control of how I can choose my perception. Uh, so yeah, these are some of the wonderful ways that you can really start to work with trauma from a very forgiving and loving place. Yeah, it's so beautiful and powerful because I remember that for so many years as well, like I was, I didn't want to look at it. I was like, no, I have this belief like my, my life is perfect. It was perfect. My family was perfect. But then my whole body was screaming, like, look at me, like, look inside. What, what, what is your truth? And uh, I don't know, maybe I wasn't ready. And at some point I was like, no, there's, there's something like, I, I need to admit that, okay, this has happened. This has happened. And I, I want to just uh, look at my body in a loving way and start the, the healing process. So it's really, um, really powerful to, to be in this radical truth um, about um, what you are experiencing and what you can notice in your body. Um, and what curious it, about that also, if, if I um, might ask about yes. that. Um, because, you know, I think that's really common thing, theme of what you're saying is like, I don't want to look at this. I can't look at this. Everything's perfect. Do, can you recall like what you were maybe afraid that you might find if you looked? Yeah, so for me, I think that um, I feel like I was always living in this illusion that like everything that my in my family that it was it was perfect. You know that there was no like um, no space for imperfection for like um, admitting that something is is not okay. So for me, um, it was like even that if I. If I admit, um, even with myself, that uh, what something that I was experiencing wasn't okay, or I feel hurt, it was like even being against my uh, my family, you know. So it was really powerful because I was like, oh, so in, if I say this, uh, even like journal about that, 
it means that I'm like what separated from my mom my dad you know so it was really for me it was I remember uh, I had this vision when I was actually like writing down in my journal and I started noticing that I have some like eating disorders that's like it's it's really like emotional and having problems with my weight and how I see my body and um, and then I started writing down and like journaling and I started noticing like all of the memories started coming in meditation and I started uh, writing them, them down. And this was like this, this first awareness that, oh, actually, maybe it wasn't that perfect. And what if I will allow myself to, to see it from that perspective, from my perspective? Because all of these experiences I was seeing from the perspective of other people who were telling me that everything was okay and they were really close to me and I love them so I trusted them and but then I forgot about being connected with my uh to my inner truth so for me it was this process especially like in a uh in a beginning mm, thank you yeah 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 that's really beautiful I think it's really helpful to people to feel like that they have a similar story hear that story a lot you know like all yes. it means I don't love my family or even worse like it means that I'm a bad if I look I will find out that I'm a bad person yes if I look too deep I'll find out what I really believe of myself which is that I'm a terrible person and that my mm. family and that everyone around me are horrible evil people yes when, when in fact it's nothing is further from the truth right mm. we're all doing our best and we're all incredibly hurt and we're all having these strategies of hurt young people. And we still have those personalities when we're in our forties, when we're in our thirties and raising children as hurt five-year-olds with emotional strategies of hurt five-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And so it's not evil or bad. It's just needing love, needing healing. And, um, but it's often what keeps people that idea that I'm going to, I'm going to realize I'm really worse than I even think I am. Yes. Um, yes. That's so true. Always, yeah. Yes. For me, it was, uh, it was super difficult, but now after a few years, like everything that has happened, because like, I feel like the, the fear for me, it was also that no one from my family was on a healing journey and the spiritual journey so I was the first one and also with my friends I at that time I didn't have like anyone who could support me in this journey so I was really feeling that I'm all alone with that just me my meditation and my journal and uh, so it was really difficult for me that's why right now even like creating spaces like this it's also for me a way to to support people so they know that they are not alone and um but right now after those uh, few years of uh being on a healing journey what has happened it's so beautiful for example like my mom she changed like so so much and it wasn't like me pushing her but now she's doing her healing sessions and she changed her um her her path and she's listening to mantras and meditating and so on but it wasn't like a few years ago so i'm not saying that it will happen for everyone but we we don't know what what will actually happen because it can really um, influence so much uh, beautiful changes all around us maybe in our families maybe in our friends or our environment so because it really takes courage to to face the the truth and to really step um to really stay on this this healing journey but yeah it's it's so beautiful at the same time 
It is so beautiful. And I've had the same experiences with my family too. By not pushing it on them, but just being who I am and communicating with them differently because that's who I am. Now it's opened up so much of a space for their own curiosity and growth. And, and it's a very different ripple effect that this mm. work creates with everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. So one, yeah, one of those topics, um, it was also um, just sexual energy that we've mentioned. But for me, it was like a lot of programming as well. And I feel especially also for, uh, so I'm from Poland and like, uh, like I feel this, you know, collective energy, like so much shame around uh, so many areas, but this, this topic in particular, uh, so much guilt and shame and um, also like connection to the religion and um, all of that. And, um, and then this, um, this area opened up of sacred sexuality and just looking at this as a, and from a completely different perspective, can you share a little bit more, uh, like, what is the, uh, like your perspective on uh, sexuality from this, you know, sacred space and how we can look at that as well. That's wonderful. Thank you. Um, well, I think understanding sacred sexuality comes um, from this fundamental understanding um, of what it, what sacred really means and that uh, our bodies are sacred temples. And so, you know, whether you're a man or a woman, honoring our bodies um, as divine is really paramount uh, within the context of Tantra and, and sacred sexuality through the exploration of Tantra. So I'm not an object and you are not an object. And that really is a conditioning that we are born into. Our parents can often treat us like objects, like property. And then when we, as we grow up and we're exposed to pornography, fashion, uh, all of these images of what beauty is and what beauty isn't. We begin to create these formulas in our minds of what attraction is, what attractive is, what being a beautiful object can get us, especially as women. So we allow ourselves to be objectified. Men are also programmed with this idea that they can take uh, things and use women's bodies as objects. So sacred sexuality is really about dismantling all of those ideas and seeing and tru truly being in the presence of mir a miracle when you are in the presence of your partner, being truly in the presence of so much potential that can grow between the union of your hearts. And so sacred sexuality is a heart-centered sexual expression. It's not really something you can do casually. Um, it's something that is fostered through love and through time and through commitment and through a lot of acceptance. Um, sacred sexuality is uh, an intention of being able to connect with someone through this intimacy, through being very naked emotionally um, and energetically with someone so that they can see the whole of who you are and you can receive that and, and allow yourself to be seen in that space as well. Um, and sacred sexuality has no goal. Sacred sexuality has no goal of, although many people talk about it, this godly experience of sexuality. 
because when there is no goal, you allow the opportunity of the godliness or the universal consciousness of all things and of true love to uh, be transmuted through you and through this powerful, powerful act of union. Um, and so there's intentionality with sacred sexuality. There are certainly techniques like breath work. Um, there are techniques of cultivating ourselves and our sacred sexuality practices individually. Um, there are different practices for women than there are for men. And so I work with both men and women and couples on the ways that they can cultivate their sexual energy to create more of a sacred union. But what really sacred sexuality does is it takes us out of this paradigm that sex has to be boring once we've had it enough times with the same partner, um, that there's only one kind of meal on the menu and that that's physical sex. And, and that's also not to say that sacred sexuality is better or worse than physical sex. Physical sex is a lot of fun. Um, I'm not someone who you know, preaches that there's just this one way. Um, but if you're, if you're wanting to have less plateauing in your sexual experience and less of this monotony, and you want to climb a mountain with a partner and really have this experience of newness and freshness and, um, feeling the capacity of your life force energy and how regenerative sexual energy can be and restorative and um, inspiring, um, then taking this path uh, really just opens up a whole other gateway of your full potential, of your satisfaction, of your celebration of this thing called lovemaking um, that is really beyond anything that physical sex alone can deliver. So that's my kind of passionate and, um, and heartfelt ex uh, explanation. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's so many things, um, but I, I think we also have to remember it's not goal-oriented. Yes, the multiple orgasms can come. Yes, um, we can experience psychedelic experiences uh, through these practices, um, and we can experience um, physical sensations that are beyond anything we've ever experienced. Uh, and we also have to create the conditions of safety once again for that to occur. Just like in removing trauma, and this is why the trauma exercises are so linked to the sexual exercises. The body has to feel safe to release the pain before the body can feel safe to really hold the pleasure and experience the pleasure. And so we focus on the trauma so that we can really go to our fullest potential and, and safely experience this pleasure uh, in a way that will transcend us and um, experience these, these very expansive uh, peak experiences with mm. others and with ourselves. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this. It's yeah, it's a beautiful perspective on how this area of our life can uh, can look like. And um, I'm wondering for people who are listening to us and they are in relationships, but maybe their partner is, you know, not on this like uh, spiritual path or maybe it's not sure that he or she wants to explore. Um, do you have like any like recommendations or how this process, because this is, those are practices, as you said, that we can also um, practice on ourselves, but for people who are in relationships and, um, and uh, 
as you as you mentioned, you are working with couples as well, um, and I I believe that this might be uh, the case because even like my community is mostly um, women, and uh, so they are you know working on their their selves, them, them on themselves, and they really want their partner to to like start meditating doing yoga and and so on but it's also like a big lesson of just like accepting their journey uh but i guess that around um area around the topic of sexuality it might be even more difficult to maybe have some kind of like conversations of like w- what is your uh like maybe piece of advice or recommendations how to pr- approach this kind of situation yeah i mean i get this question a lot and um with my own life and with what I've seen from my clients, it's great and almost, I would even say preferred to do this on your own. Mm. No one should be pressured into these practices. Um, And like we were saying earlier, when you start to embody this new energy and this new frequency, people who love you and are, are on your path with you are going to want to know what you're doing and are going to, you know, be open to it. And they're going to see the benefits that they get from your newfound sense of self and openness. They are going to feel excited about that. And also, there's no one path for everybody. Mm. So I love this work. This work for me, is, it cures everything. For me, it's the end all be all. But I've met people who've never sat on a meditation cushion, <laughs> who, can, who are so authentic and who connect on these levels without you know, needing certain aspects of things that are really vital to my practice and to my, my life. I know people who go out in nature every day and who are one with nature in such a strong way that it gives them a certain perspective that's really grounded and really beautiful and really wholesome. And so um, I think just being an example of what you, what radiates you the most is going to always magnetize people who are meant to be in your life to get curious about what you're doing and to join you in ways that they feel comfortable. But we have to let people be who they are. Mm, beautiful uh so there's one more topic that you also mentioned on a retreat that really uh it was really like a few aha moments when i uh i had when you were sharing that is and it's like this perspective that we have on both men and women that for men it's only the choice um between being i'm not sure if i remember this um good way but is a good uh boy right and the asshole and for women we also have this uh, this choice can you tell can you speak a little bit more about that like for men and women and is and why do we think is those are the only choices that uh that we have mm, that's a great question i'm so glad you asked that because it really comes down to um you know what i see has been happening for maybe the past thousand years of humanity is this split um the madonna horse split and freud co- coined this term um and so this was sort of the kind of degradation of the feminine in terms of saying that women's sexuality was poor like and dirty and low but you know and and 
shameful behavior and that you know women who were whores were only to be used as whores and have their bodies objectified and then there were women who were good girls right um who are marrying the women you marry for example and so when that split happened in in sexuality and basically a, a woman's superpower is sexuality it's one of our very innate um natural tendencies even as little girls when we don't have any sort of you know sexual preference this erotic nature of the feminine the dancing the being with our bodies the wanting to be looked at the wanting to attract attention wanting to be seen these things are very natural these are things are we see them in nature and flowers right um, in so many ways, we see this presented in nature. It's a very, very natural part of our erotic intelligence. When that was severed and discarded, and I would even say colonized, so it was taken from women for men's pleasure and not for our pleasure. What then, how that affected men is that you could be a nice guy who doesn't want to do that to his sister or his mother or whoever, but has his needs. And so then he splits between being the asshole and being the nice guy. And now we see that at a whole other level in this, you know, since the industrial revolution and, and since now we have this very patriarchal way of, of looking at things where the feminine is even more suppressed in all of us. And when I say this, I'm not male bashing because feminine suppression affects men just as much as it affects women. Mm -hmm. um, men wearing these masks, men having to put their hearts aside, men fighting for material things rather than for, and that being seen as more noble than fighting for protecting the planet and the earth and, um, and women and the innocence and the beauty that is present in the feminine and, them, and men being seen as weak for being artists or musicians or poets rather than the, the strength of what that um, really preserves on behalf of the feminine. And so men have really forgotten how to be warriors. And it's, it's just as much a woman's uh, constitution to be erotic and to be a divine whore. Mm. And this was a real thing in goddess culture where women who were very intelligent and wise and revered by the community were very much in touch with their sexuality and could very much without shame speak to mm. it, present it and be in it as a, as a powerful wisdom uh, within the community and a spiritual pure wisdom of innocence. Um, the same way that men really are wanting to be their warrior selves and having that be a pure, pure, pure thing, not an act of violence, but an act of protection from the heart of what is pure, which is the feminine. And this is really how, you know, the ideal um, energy is exchanged for living a peaceful and happy life, living a peaceful and happy relationship is understanding this polarity between men and women, um, both uh, inside of ourselves, you know, in a non-gender way of just our energetic masculine, our energetic feminine and, and what it wants and listening to that and having a deeper understanding and compassion for that. And then what the masculine and feminine needs in a romantic relationship, what the masculine and feminine needs in a business partnership or in a building project or in a 
creating a painting or, you know, all of these things are uh, the foundations of manifestation in whatever regard it is. And if we ignore the feminine, if we dismiss the feminine, what we're left with is a masculine who is only focused on violence. Hmm. The masculine manifests itself as violence, as destruction and as taking um, and really self-destruction ultimately. So that's why it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, And it's a real struggle for so many men and women. Yeah, it is. And when when you said about that, it was like, wow, yeah, it, this is really how like even um, even my mom was telling me that, yeah, it's like when men look at the woman, it's all, already this judgment. You are a woman that he could marry or that he will just go to, uh, to bed with. And I was like, so it's like so much pressure because it's like, so you are blocking this um, this erotic intelligence. You are blocking blocking your sexual energy. I mean, this was my experience, at yeah. least. So I, I didn't want to be um, I didn't want to be this object. Uh, but at the same time, I I have this like sexual energy that I want to express and I want to explore. So what is in between for men and for women? Like how is there is there anything that, uh, there that we can explore? That's, that's what this is all about. Right, that you know, you know, there's hope. This is yeah. <laughs> is that you? We can have both, and we can have both by getting in touch with these energies inside of us, by exploring them through play, through releasing trauma, through um, conscious communication, through intimacy, through brotherhood and sisterhood, which are very important aspects for this type of growth. Um, and through a lot of also um, cooperative sharing between men and women and, and really taking down some of these barriers of our vision. Um, I mean, we experienced just within three days of, in this retreat, I felt people literally physically looked more beautiful. Mm. We were all like shining. And because so many of these conditions started to be removed from our own self-judgments and also from the judgments we were having on each other. And you could just see the beauty in every single person. And so this is, you know, the type of world that we can create through this work. Um, And it it happens through being willing to really look at our conditioning and being willing to question the authority and still love the authority if it was our parents and understanding that a lot of these principles that our parents drilled into us came from trying to protect us and making us to make us successful in life. This was what they, the lessons they wanted to teach us so that we could not experience the pain that they experienced and they were doing the best they could to protect us and to make us grow into adults that were safe and happy. And it was in no way to abuse us most often. But it was false, mm. and that's okay. Um, and when we can have some awareness about that and understand what their intentionality was, uh, we can lighten up. We can start to do this shadow work, yes, and, and experience the tears and the pain and all of the things that can come with the shadow and, and the trauma release. But we can also laugh at ourselves when we start to realize everyone has this, that we all have these alter egos, these personas, we can give them names, we can walk like them, we can talk like <laughs> them, we can have fun. Um, 
and, and accept each other as we are not try to hide these things about ourselves but really you know the, the whole idea is to bring the darkness into light with love mm. and to see how much of a powerful part of ourselves this shame actually is it's mm. not something that needs to be hidden it's something that needs to come into the light yes and this is another thing that was really powerful for me in the during the retreat that i the things that i thought that i was just it's only me you know that is that I was going through this I don't even during the like the circle the exercises that we had but then also like in my life and then during having like really open conversations I was like wow so like you also felt maybe not the same way but you also had some inner process and it's it's so beautiful to actually have this open conversations and uh, this conscious communication so you can notice that you are not alone in this journey meaning that everyone it every one of us it's we have like so many things that we uh, we feel on a daily basis and we we are struggling with and we can laugh at and yeah what you said it's um and like to give it a name it really helped me like to to see this what's in between those um uh those things that we we thought that th th this is uh, our only choice like feeling that i want to embody like being a queen in order to attract uh my king and to create this devotional this this devotion this uh, union and um I've never explored those words on a deeper level, but for me, like when you've said them, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is because I can be this and that and everything in between. And and for me, it was like, um, yeah, really, really powerful as well. So happy to hear that. Yeah. And there's uh, one more thing, because right now I feel like in the world, you know, like a lot of women, they are like waking up and even like on some workshops or retreats um there's still like uh more women joining i would say and um at the same time like i was uh, i had a beautiful experience to see how a man can um go through a really beautiful spiritual awakening connecting with his power by being with a woman who is connected to her heart and her power and can you talk a little bit more about that how this like energy flow how we can really uh, that it's not only the physical it's really like this um, like dance this polarity that you said but on a, like a deeper level when it comes to connecting to our uh, powers with like for men and for women like how yeah, does this I mean, work <laughs> yeah I, I think I understand the question um you know, firstly, we had such amazing and brave men in the group. And I feel really grateful because I honestly uh, have, have always been very blessed that the men who come to me for my work are really, really purely intended and really, really open and are brave and um, just wholeheartedly good men. And those men held so much beautiful space for the women I felt for me, uh, for each other, they were really stepping into some um, uncomfortable things with a lot of grace and a lot of courage. Um, and, you know, and we need to, as women, 
be supporters of that for men to see that they have broken hearts too and to see that you know all men aren't assholes they just think differently than we do and and we have different senses of rewards we have different senses of punishment we experience such different things in our lives just from our external experiences in these bodies but also hormonally and our brains are very different and so you know for me bringing men into the fold it has to come from a place of being inspired not of a place of being told what to do they have to really want to be up there with you dancing and and if they if they don't want to dance with you then it's not your guy and that's okay you know everyone has their time and we we really need to make it his decision um if it's going to be you know his path no woman is going to respect a man who's walking her path we, you know, it's, it's really in the divine masculine to lead and he has to lead himself to wherever he feels he needs to go. And she can be an Oracle and say, this feels good. This feels good. This feels good to me. And, but ultimately it has to be up to him mm -hmm. um, to follow her emotional leadership because women really do hold the emotional and energetic leadership in the relationship in the heart of the relationship. And the man really leads the physical aspects. So um, I think it has to really be a man's idea. A lot of men don't trust other men. So it is sometimes a good idea for a man to have an interim to this work be with a woman teacher. But then I do recommend that men find a brotherhood or they find a masculine teacher or they find a group or they have another consultant who is embodied man. Um, because men do so much better when pleasing men they look up to mm -hmm. than when they're trying to please the women around them. Mm -hmm. And so many men have a mother wound and so many men are taught that what will make them pleasing and, and likable is pleasing the women. And then they really don't embody masculine energy. They become one of the girls or they actually even drain the women around them emotionally and spiritually. And that inhibits the women from being able to do our work. So I really highly recommend that men seek out the first initial steps, get on in their groove in whatever way feels comfortable, and then really start to work with men and men that you admire and men that you feel can mentor you and men that hold you accountable and men that you can like go deeper with because so many men have only been exposed to friendships that are surface. There are men, unlike women, there are men who have relationships for 20 and 30 years and all they do is go fishing together or bike riding or surfing or play video games and they never talk about their lives. And that's so crazy when women hear that because that's <laughs> all we do when we're together is talk about our lives. But legit, some of men's best friends know very little about their emotional landscape. So, you know, this is how we can really support men is by encouraging them to be with other men. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for uh, sharing all of that. Yeah, there is like so many topics that we could uh, discuss. Um, but like one last question. Um, if you imagine that people uh, who are listening to us right now, that they are opening up their journals and they will write down the message that uh, you will share. And this will be the message that will that they might uh, 
it might be like inspiring or uplifting or maybe invite them to like contemplate deeply uh deeper um on that and this is like the message that you know that if they just remind remember um about this one message it will be really powerful uh for them so what would that be wow god i feel a little pressure <laughs> no pressure <laughs> <laughs> that's a big, big what will be their inspiration I would say I would ask, I would be really willing, be willing to get up every day and ask yourself, what are you really afraid of? And what can you be without that fear? Because so many of us, instead of seeking pleasure, we avoid pain. And we spend our whole lives not really living our lives, but running away from our lives. And so I would, I would say to touch in with ourselves every so often and say, what is, what is really the fear and what can I be without it? Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that this is for sure something that i will write down uh, in my journal uh, so for people who would like to know more about maybe your events or everything that you're creating like where they can find you well i'm in costa rica in nosara um currently and i'm doing this same retreat that i just that we just did in two weeks because there's been such a wonderful response mm. and so uh from april 30th to may 2nd i will be doing tantra for experiencing intimacy with a new group uh, at the costa rica yoga spa in nosara they can find me at uh www.aloverevolution.com and on instagram at steph s-t-e-f underscore marco m-a-r-c-o is my handle mm, beautiful thank you so much for everything for your time your energy and i'm super super grateful that the universe uh, guided me to the space that you are holding and creating so thank you once again thank you and i'm so happy that and honored that you were there you brought so much beauty and openness and vulnerability to the circle and it was a blessing to everyone to witness you including myself so really thank you and thank you for having me on today mm, thank you so much